It's my pleasure to re- welcome back to WJR and to the Internet Advisor, somebody who has been our guest on a number of occasions beforehand, thanks to Tom Dyroff, who was one of our original um, uh, tech helpers here on WJR, and that's Scott Muller. And Scott, welcome back to WJR's Internet Advisor. Hi, Foster. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Well, I'm delighted to invite you back because it's always good to talk to you, but particularly this time around because uh, it's a kind of a neat anniversary to be celebrating with you. That's 20 years of your publishing, upgrading, and repairing PCs with the 19th edition that just came out. Congratulations. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit confusing that it's the 19th edition, but it's also the 20th anniversary, but that's how things worked out. Well, tell me, in this uh, version of upgrading and repairing PCs, what are some of the highlights that you cover? Well, basically, it's it's kind of like I, I try to make it the ultimate book on PC hardware. It just covers just about every aspect of PC hardware from, you know, processors to memory to motherboards to power supplies to, you know, to cases to basically everything that makes up a, a PC. And, uh, you know, especially in-depth, you know, coverage of, you know, disk drives and, and mm-hmm. all kinds of And then, you know, I redo it just about every year because the technology changes. Oh, and yeah. I keep up with things. So, um, and also the book has a lot of uh, history in it. It's one of the most popular books used in, in training courses, even in college-level courses um, nationwide and even in some cases worldwide. So, um, you know, I try to keep a lot of history and things. I, I like people to know why things are a certain mm-hmm. way. I don't just, I just, just want to tell, you know, this is how things are now. I like to tell people how they've got there, you know, how they came to be. Well, let me ask you then, looking back with the perspective of two decades of uh, having your hands inside of PCs and working on them, what are, would you say are the uh, two biggest changes that have happened since you first began watching PCs? Well, um, you know, the biggest change is that the hardware prices have come down uh, dramatically. You know, I did some uh, kind of some, you know, comparisons. I, I, I you know, looked at the machine that I bought in, in 1989 um, when I first started writing the book, and that machine in today's, in today's money would cost over $14,000. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, I was comparing it to a machine that I would use, you know, that I'm using today, and the machine I'm using today cost uh, only about $1,300. So basically, you know, the, the price of the hardware that I'm working with, you know, has dropped by, uh, you know, a factor of 10. Wow. Now, so that's one, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that's probably the biggest change. And, of course, mm-hmm. that means that PCs, you know, back then, I mean, it was practically the price of a car to buy, you know, a, a decent PC. You're right. These days, everybody has one or sometimes even several. So the price has dropped, in particular on the hardware. One of the things you know you talked about, and I'm curious to, if you can tell me why this is the case, uh, is that the software has not dropped in proportion. Right. Um, I mean, I, you know, when I started looking at the hardware uh, pricing, then I started thinking about what I paid for software. And, in fact, the prices that I'm paid for um, things like Windows have really virtually stayed the same over the last 20 years. And I just think that I think that's astonishing. I mean, going by the way that hardware prices have dropped in that time, today Windows should sell for basically like twenty four ninety five. And, and I, I really think that that's wow. what, what it should sell for. Yes, I would agree with you. I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, why is it that that has not, is it just that, this, that Microsoft has really had no serious competition? Uh, I, I run a Mac, uh, and I'm sure you know there are people out there with Apples and Apple computers and a lot more and people on Linux, etc. But there's really been no serious competition. Why is that? 
Exactly. I, you know, there really hasn't been. And, and yet Microsoft has, you know, blown it, in my opinion, in so many ways, especially recently, uh, that I, I just can't believe that they're still getting away with it. And who knows, maybe they won't get away with this, um, you know, much longer. I, I kind of look at the, uh, the Mac, and, you know, I'm, I mean, I, I know a little bit about it. We, we have them here in the household. You know, my wife is maybe a little bit more of an expert on that side of things than I am. But, uh, you know, Apple, I think, has always been a little bit more reasonable in their, in their especially their operating system pricing, and yes. I, I just can't believe, though, that Apple hasn't released the OS X for the PC. I mean, we all know it runs on PC hardware, and with hacks, you can get it to run on a PC to oh, basically yeah. you know, disable the, mm-hmm. the copy protection, essentially, that they have in there to prevent it from running, but why they don't just, you know, pull the plug and, and, and release it, it just, it just astonishes me, because especially with the, you know, the Vista debacle... Mm-hmm. Uh, they oh, had yeah. a real, you know, so-called window of opportunity that they could <laughs> If you'll pardon the pun. Yeah. Uh, at that point, the Groucho Mark Ducks Hawk ought to come down at that point. But I, <laughs> let's talk a little bit, if you could, um, about this whole uh, PC um, software business, because... Uh, Windows, you've mentioned Vista, which is you know the the, the operating system everybody loves to hate, uh, and Windows Seven has seemed to me to be a very good upgrade to that. But I've noticed in some of your writings that you tend to think that actually we could step back a bit in terms of Windows operating systems and really run our machines much more effectively. Tell me about that. Right, I'm you know I'm uh, I've been a big you know, obviously a big user of XP since it came out, and it's it's still, even though we're, we're a year into Windows 7 release, you know, being released, and several years into Vista being on the market, Windows XP still runs on more than double the number of PCs of that use Vista and Windows 7 combined. And that, you know, wow. is... A- is amazing, and I think a lot of it is. Be- I kind of have one policy when uh, dealing with PCs: is I never like to pay for the operating system twice. Especially, I don't want to pay Microsoft twice for Windows. So, if a machine came with Windows XP, that is what that machine will die with. I mean, it will. That, that's it. I'm not. I'm not going to pay Microsoft another hundred dollars or more, which is already an outrageous price. You know, if it was twenty four ninety five, it might be worth it to yep. upgrade. But I, I will not pay them hundreds of dollars to upgrade from one version of Windows to another that I don't even like. And I think that uh, you know, when Vista came out, it, I just I just shook my head and I, I realized that you know what mo- most people I talk to, you know what, what they wanted, they wanted Windows XP, you know, two thousand and eight. Yeah. Uh, most mm-hmm. pe- most people right now they don't want really Windows seven, they want Windows XP two thousand and ten. Yes, it needs some updates and improvements and, and whatever, but you know, to, to make wholesale changes in the user interface and to you know hide things that were formerly easily visible, uh, I, I just think it's been uh, a step backwards. I mean, Windows seven doesn't even come with class mode, you know, that you can enable. You have to go to some aftermarket, you know, or third-party utility to get the old classic, you know, menus and things, which is, is ridiculous. Scott Mueller is our guest, by the way, and he is the author of Upgrading and Repairing PCs, which has been kind of the uh, the Bible of uh, the computer industry in terms of hardware for the last 20 years. His most recent edition, edition 19, just came out right now. And we're talking to Scott uh, at this point about operating systems. Scott, I, I noticed in, in some comments that you've made about Windows XP that, that you're, you're making a statement or a claim that you can actually get a PC to run better, more efficiently right now with uh, some tweaks to Windows XP than a lot of these new machines could run on Windows 7. Is that correct? 
Well, sure. You know, the big the big problem I see is that someone will have a they'll they'll buy a PC and let's say it gets to be a year to two years old. They've installed a bunch of things on it. They've maybe uninstalled a few things. They've maybe made some mistakes and gotten some you know some malware on the system. Some, you know, maybe they used some antivirus or anti malware software that got rid of most of it. But there's still a lot of you know detrius and other stuff on the system. So what happens is it just becomes slower and slower and slower over time. And you know, some have even called this you know Windows rot and uh, you know, the yeah. solution for this is to just reload the operating system. But that is a daunting task oh. for most you know, you have to you have to first of all back your data up. Then you have to reload Windows, okay? But you're not done there. You have to find drivers for all your hardware. That's exactly it. And then you have to find all those programs that you downloaded or the disks yes. for the programs and find them and reinstall them as well. Exactly, and so you're, you know, for for some people, this can be a several day process. And you know, you know what they'll do? They'll just run out and buy a new. People will go out and buy a new PC before they'll reload their old one. Yep. So I've I've kind of found a, a kind of a huge, you know, little side business in doing just that. Um, I've kind of specialized in reloading, you know, people's uh, systems with Windows, and um, you know, with a relatively automated process, and you know, built in, building in a bunch of, you know free but excellent utilities, um, you know, you can have a completely usable system. And then, you know, you mentioned some tweaks with a few little adjustments to, you know, I mean, think hard, hardware has changed and things yeah. have changed since, you know, Windows XP first came out. So with a little few minor adjustments in, in the operating system, I mean, I can, I can say, you know, with confidence that a system, I can take a system that's five years old, reload it, and it will be faster than it was when it was new. Wow. And, you know, that's because the original installation wasn't optimized. It, it, the, the PC probably had a lot of trial wear or yep. garbage mm-hmm. wear on it, yep. none of which I would put back on, of course. Sure. And, and so um, I just think a lot of people would be extremely satisfied with keeping their PC, you know, rather than throwing it away and getting something new if they just got it reloaded. So, so Scott, for somebody who's listening to me right now, and I know I would guess that the vast majority of people who listen to our program still, as you said, use Windows XP. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, they they're constantly calling us with problems with the uh, you know the operating uh, how it's operating etc. How would they go about reloading their Windows XP? Where they just go back to their original install disks and uh, as you said, basically back up their data, make sure that they've got the uh, the program install disks or the downloads that they had and the passwords to install or the the keywords for those programs, obviously. Um, but would they just go back to that original install disk then after getting all that data off and preparing themselves and just slap it back in? Well, you know, there's, it, it, it depends. I mean, uh, a lot of the commercially, you know, pre-built systems like, you know, from somebody like Dell or okay. Gateway or whoever, they will come with these, you know, re- what they call product restoration disks. Yes. Uh, a lot of times it's not even on a hidden partition on the hard drive. And, mm-hmm. yeah, that will put back, you know, the OS and all the drivers and whatever applications, unfortunately, a lot of which might be trialware or junkware, uh-huh. that, came, that came with the system, you know, when it was new. But, uh, you know, I, I'm... I, I like to do a really a fresh, you know, clean reinstall from scratch. And so I cover in, in my book, Upgrading and Repairing Windows, you know, a lot of how to do that. Okay. But then, you know, some people will look at all the steps you have to go through. And, you know, maybe for a lot of people, it's better if they pay somebody to do it, you know. Yeah, okay. Now, and that's a, that's a good point. I, but I wonder how many people there are out there, like yourself, who really are working in this area of, if you will, optimizing Windows XP versus those who are looking ahead to dealing with Windows 7 and, you know, the multi-core processors, et cetera. 
Right. I, well, you know what? I uh, I mean, I've been dealing with this for a lot, lot of years, and I, I haven't seen a lot of people who are really good at this. And, yep. and you know, over, over the last, you know, five to ten years, I've developed a lot of my own little custom scripts and mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. To where, you know, for me, it's as simple as typing a command and walking away. Yeah, right, and ha- exactly. Having all this stuff be installed. And, and things like, you know, uh, people will install Adobe, you know, the PDF reader on the right. system. Right, Well, when I do that, I don't leave it with, the, I don't just install it the way they want you to. I mean, it adds services and, you know, background oh, that I don't yeah. that I don't need. So, so my little installer turns all that stuff off. Mm, I see. So, you know, over time, I've just, any utility that I work with, you know, I basically write, and I end up writing my own custom installer for it, because I just don't want a lot of this background stuff going on, as, unless it's necessary. All right, so I guess the point would be, folks, that you need to go out and get the book, <laughs> Upgrading <laughs> and Repairing PCs, the ninth yeah. edition, 19th edition, and in that, Scott will talk to you about, matter of fact, his mantra is, don't unload it, reload it, right? In fact, you know, um, we're going to be starting up a business soon. It's not quite uh, online yet, but it's going to be called WindowsReloaded.com, and it's basically offering that service to the public. So uh, for, you know, a a very inexpensive price, and for people who don't want to go through all the steps, even though I can show them how to do it, a lot of people will say, "Ah, I just want to have that done. Yeah, and by the way, I don't blame them for that because a lot of people simply want, my wife is a good example of that, and I don't blame her. She says, I just want to be able to use a darn machine. I don't want to have to figure out that, oh, I have to do this to that or tweak this or do that. I just want to use a darn machine. Right, I mean... you know, for example, you install. Let's say you reinstall from your original Windows XP disk, and that was a, a Service Pack Zero or One yes. disk. Mm-hmm. You know, you know how many, you know how many hours of oh, update. I've done it. Take, yeah, it's ridiculous. So yeah, you know, we we have all the updates built in, right? You know, and I sh- I show people in the book how to do that. Oh, um, excellent. Build, you know, build all the updates uh, into your existing Windows installation disk. So I mean, if somebody wants to do this themselves, they certainly can. So you could actually then, uh, for the, I mean, for the person, I think it like Ed Rudell, who is our, our local uh, uh, tech expert in this area, that you know he could put together a package like that himself, that mm-hmm. uh, you could essentially you know, come into somebody's home and uh, put on their machine, or you would have, you know, as you said, all of the, uh, the steps automated to take care right. of doing that on their machine. Because as you said, it takes hours. I've done it for people's machines. And it is, I, I get a, a sinus headache every time I think about the hours that are, that are spent uh, downloading those service packs. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the last system I, I reloaded, I you know go to Windows Update, and there's no updates. It's, it's all completely, everything's all completely integrated into this. Yeah. So, I, well, listen, will you please keep us aware that when you start this new business of yours called Winded, Windows Loaded, or Reloaded, I should say, dot right. com. Right, WindowsReloaded.com. I would be very interested in hearing about that when you when you start that. Uh, we're talking, by the way, with, uh, with Scott Miller, who has been our guest on a number of other occasions, talking about upgrading and repairing PCs, the 19th, 19th edition of that book. It's 20th anniversary year right now. Scott, let's talk, could we, if we could, a little bit about some of the, the newer hardware that's coming out right now and get, get your your thoughts on things like um you know the uh, the the smaller footprint for things uh you know the netbooks um the, the smartphones and things that are coming out like that uh, what kind of hardware are you buying are, for instance are you going on and getting an ipad 
no, that goes against everything I stand for. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a closed, you know, I, I'm really into uh, standards, industry standards. So, for example, you know, if I, if I build a, uh, a desktop PC and I use what, what I call industry standard hardware, like a motherboard, power supply case, et cetera, then any, at any time in the future, should any of these components fail, I can easily find a replacement anywhere inexpensively and, you know, and repair or replace, right. the, you know, the part as necessary. But you have a system that's built Built with a proprietary, you know, architecture, then you're basically beholding to that company, the original manufacturer, and mm -hmm. who knows what they're going to charge for this. And let's say the motherboard goes bad. Yeah, you can get a new motherboard for twice the price of a of yeah. a new, yes. you know, generic one. Yep. But and that that replacement motherboard is going to be the same five year old one that was in the machine, you know, when it died mm. or when it was new. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I so I really believe in industry standard. Uh, hardware. So when I look at some of these, like um, you know, HP has some new like all-in-one kind of system where it it looks a lot like the uh, what what is it the iMac? Oh, oh yes, the iMac. The one yes, all-in-one uh, stand-up uh, where the monitor and computer are compo are together. Exactly, and you know that's stylish looking and all that. But me, you know, me, I personally, I would not want one of those myself. I wouldn't want to recommend that for anybody. Um, I would, you know, if somebody wanted a system like that, I generally tell them to just get a laptop because if you're going to suffer with proprietary hardware, then at least have the laptop, you know, features of portability and things like that. So, um, well, then let's let's talk about the portability, though, uh, Scott Muller. Uh, you know, you, I guess I was thinking that when I asked the question in terms of. I, you know, you have a laptop now, whereas before when you first started out, you didn't have a laptop to work with. As you look ahead, you know, the form factor is getting smaller um, while the computing power in that form factor is increasing. You know, so what do you look forward to having? I mentioned the iPad, but that's just simply, you know, one of the form factors. Do you look to smaller, more powerful laptops that can be carried around uh, in maybe that form factor? Actually, you know, when I when I think of the laptop I bought, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago to what I'm using today, they're they're pretty much the same size. I mean, you can't get much smaller than having a normal okay. size keyboard. Okay. I don't, I, you know, so that's a parameter. And I, I, you know, they've I've had anywhere from 12 to you know 15 point something inch screens. I can't imagine. I, don't, I really don't want smaller than a 15 inch screen. <laughs> Especially as we get older, right? <laughs> right. And, and uh, well, yeah. And you know, while the netbooks are nice, and for a lot of people, they can replace a laptop. I really use a laptop as my main system, so I, I need a you know an honest to gosh full blown mm -hmm. laptop. So I don't see the laptop I'm using getting any smaller in in you know five or ten years from now. I think it'll be the same size. It'll be a lot more powerful, that's for sure. But uh, it will be about the same size. Well, then, uh, do you? I, I, reason I asked this question is we had a call a call, in, uh, call in the other day about repairing a laptop, mm -hmm. and we were kind of discussing on the air how. It's pretty tough to get your hands inside one of these things now because everything has become very integrated, et cetera. Um, and that seems to be almost the way things are going, that it's, it's going towards um, the, the more integrated, almost throwaway kind of devices versus a machine that you're talking about where you would always maintain the ability to get your hands in there and uh, to replace or upgrade or improve things. Right. That is, I mean, that is true. Uh, when you have, you know, these little, you know, netbooks that are three, $400 or even a very low-end laptop that's that price, if, let's say, a year or two goes by and, you know, you crack the display, it might cost a 100 to $200 to replace that display. Right. 
So at that point, you think, well, it's just not worth, you know, worth, not worth repairing. Um, but if something, you know, like the AC adapter goes bad or the hard drive fails, those are inexpensive components that are easily replaced even in, you know, laptops and, and netbooks and things. So, uh, I mean, I'm looking, I look at my laptop. I've, I've up replaced the hard drive already several times. It's like mm-hmm. uh, going on three years old now. I've replaced the processor. I've changed the memory. I've changed the Wi-Fi card that's internal, you know, in it. I mean, I've changed a lot of components in, in this thing. And, um, so, I mean, there, there are some upgrades and things you can do. Well, as I say, inquiring people want to know, what kind of laptop do you use? Um, this is a ThinkPad R60. Okay, it's one of the old, what used to be IBM and is now Lenovo, am I right? Right, well, actually, mine still says IBM on it, but okay. uh, it says IBM on one spot and Lenovo on another. <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah. now if, if and when that should ever die, uh, what would you go to? Um, I'd buy another ThinkPad. I, I'm really uh, big on the ThinkPad laptops um, because of the, uh, you know, first of all, they're extremely rugged. Um, they're, okay. uh, I can easily get parts and serve. I'm, I'm really big on documentation, so I can get the, I can download the service manual for free from Lenovo. I can uh. look up all, all the parts in it. I mean, I had a situation where in the previous one I had um, the display went out, and I could still see, you know, uh, by shining a bright light on it, I could still see that the actual LCD was working, so I knew that the backlight was out. And a lot of times when the backlight goes out, it's not the actual bulb or the backlight itself. It's what's called the inverter. And the inverter is a $25 part. So I was able to literally, you know, get the service manual, look up that part, call IBM or Lenovo, and uh, I had that part expedited to me in a day for something like $30 or $40 and had this machine back up and running. Wow. And this was, it was technically under warranty, you know, and I could have, like, sent it back into them, but I, I didn't want to be without it for a week. So I just took it upon myself to repair it. And, and you know, with a lot of uh, manufacturer systems, you can't do that. They just don't give you access to that kind of, you know, the ability to, to do your own service. Well, what do you think of, and, and what do you think is going to happen to computers with the introduction of these bigger and bigger solid-state drives, or SSDs? Well, SSDs, you know, it's, it's interesting. They've been around for a long time, and, it, you know, every year somebody would be asking me, oh, so when is the, you know, the hard drive going to die? I said, well, you know, n- not yet. But uh, SSDs, I think, finally have really hit a breakthrough. They've hit a breakthrough in performance and in capacity. So I, I do think that more and more, um, you know, we'll see SSDs being used in, in computers, especially in the laptops. Um, but they still are at a significantly higher price point than regular magnetic storage. So I I still think we'll have hard drives around, you know, for... Uh, a lot, a lot more years, and hard drives still have greater capacity overall than SSDs. But uh, there's definitely some more competition now. Yeah, well, along those lines, uh, we reported it in our homepage, and because I was fascinated by it, they're talking about these supercapacitors that have been developed. I think you may have seen that, um, mm-hmm. with the ability to hold enormous amounts of energy in very small spaces with different kinds of technology. Uh, what are some of those other areas that you see uh, that are going to of, of changes coming in technology that are going to affect computers? Hmm. Um, yeah, well, I, you know, I, I do think that, it, obviously, with, you know, uh, Intel is, 
every two years or so, they change their uh, transistor manufacturing process so that the number of transistors they can put on a on a die for a processor, you know, uh, doubles. So that you know that's been called Moore's law over the years. Uh-huh. Gordon Moore of Intel kind of came up with it. And so, I, you know, I think that processing power is going to keep increasing at the rate it has been. What we don't see, though, as much anymore is the increase in clock speeds. What we're now seeing is, you know, adding more cores. So now we have six-core processors, and I expect to see, you know, eight-core and, and, and more, more, mm-hmm. more cores. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, a, that's definitely something that's going to happen in the future. Um, uh, you know, uh, hard drive density is always increasing again at the, that same kind of a rate. So every two years, you can generally get about twice as you know big a hard drive as you could two years ago. <laughs> yes. so, yeah, yeah. What a terabyte was something that people had a hard time pronouncing, and right. now is becoming much more common as uh, the, if you will, upper end size of hard drives are available. Right. You know, and that, you know, brings with it a whole bunch of other problems because, you know, every time somebody tells me, oh, I just got a new two terabyte drive and it's all like, yeah, how are you going to back that thing up? Yeah. I hope you bought two or three of them, you know, <laughs> because the only, the only thing that can back up a two terabyte drive is another two terabyte drive. Yeah, exactly. Hey, let me step back a second before um, we wrap this thing up. We're talking with uh, Scott Mueller, who is uh, the author of Upgrading and Repairing PCs. The 19th edition just came out, and this is the 20th anniversary since the first book came out, and it's been it's become kind of iconic in the um, computer industry in terms of uh, the basics about how to handle hardware, what hardware is, and how to use it and optimize it. And um, I, I want to step back just for a second. We, we've kind of skirted this, talking about Windows 7, if you will, just kind of give me your thumbnail impression of it, because a lot of people who are buying new machines are getting it, whether they want it or not. Um, I've, up, I've upgraded to it simply just to kind of keep up with it. Um, right. I, I noticed you've had some concerns about things that have been hidden or, or removed from it. Yeah, you know, there's there's actually a, a list on uh, Wikipedia. If you look at look up just features removed from Windows Seven, there's a whole page that has been constructed listing everything that's been taken away. And some of the things are you know little you know minor things, but some of them are kind of important. Like you know when you share a folder on a drive, you used to get an icon. You know, this, there would be an overlay icon of like the hand sharing the the folder, and, and right. they, they took that away, and that was you know caused a big uproar on this one particular uh, forum. And, you know, this it was a Microsoft forum, and their response was, you know, that they uh, took that away to reduce large cognitive loads on users, which is, you know. <laughs> In other I, words, they don't, they figure, they figure we're, we're too dumb to be able to handle all that information, basically. Yeah, but then, you know, what's, what's funny is then, they, if, if that was the case, then what about their server operating system? You know, obviously, the people who are running servers are, you know, designed to handle large cognitive sure. loads generally because it's their business, but they took it away there too. So to me, it was just an excuse. Um, there had been rumored that there were some bugs in, in the, you know, the way that was being handled, and they just said, ah, we'll just take it out. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm all for in, in making improvements on things, but when you start changing the user interface, you know, I was just thinking of, like, even Microsoft Office. If, if I, you know, had, you know, 20 Office users in my company, and I see this new Office 2007 or 2010 come down the road where the whole, you know, user interface has changed, and I, and I have to think, well, do I want to, re- you know, teach people how to use this all over again? They know how to use the old one. Mm-hmm. so. You know, I would switch to Open Office because that still looks like Office 2003 and all the earlier versions that everybody knew how to use. And I just think that you know the the biggest 
problem with Windows 7 is the lack of the, let's say, we'll call it a Windows XP mode as far as the user interface is concerned. You know, let's have the classic user interface for those that want to just keep things the way they are, at least as far as look and feel. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, a couple more questions for you, if you could, just before we uh, we wrap things up. We've had this, uh, I've been having a delightful time here and just kind of piling questions on you, Scott, and thanks for uh, spending as much time as you have here. Um, uh, just maybe a, a, a look over at the smartphones, just basically, because they have seemed in some ways to be taking over or trying to take over a lot of some of the basic computing. In, that, in other words, they become more than phones. They're just like small computers in pockets. Um, what are your thoughts about them? And, and, and how do you, uh, you know, because these aren't things that you can take apart and, and repair or replace things in very easily, at least. No, not very easily. In fact, you know, some like the, uh, you know, the, the Apple iPhone, they, they try to make it very difficult. You can't even just change right. the battery on it, right. you know, as, right. as exactly. a normal user. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I do think it is amazing that in these phones now, you can just, you know, browse the web and you can use it in, in some ways like if you had a tiny little laptop with you. And for, for some people, that's all they might need, you know, to get by. They could do online email or just use, you know, the text messaging built into the phone and be able to, you know, have enough communications and online, you know, searching capabilities, be able to go to, you know, google.com or whatever to, to look things up. And, and that, that is pretty amazing that you can do that in, in you know, a phone. Um, but then again, for, you know, someone like me, I still need a laptop. I still need something that can really, you know, be a workhorse. And, right. and so, so a smartphone can't replace that for me. But for a lot of people, that may be all they need. Yeah. Okay, final question for you. You you've come out with your uh, 19th edition. I know uh, you've got the 20th in the works now. <laughs> what what would be some of the things that you're going to be including in this newest edition coming out that you're working well, on right now? Right, basically just to keep up with, you know, the, the, all the latest processor, processor technology, um, any changes in memory, oh, definitely more on the solid state you know, drives and things right. that, are, that are coming out. Um, so, it, you know, each, each one is kind of an evolutionary thing. There's not a whole lot of, you know, huge, like there's no new chapters or anything. It's just, but but everything is, is kept up to date. Scott Mueller, thank you so much for being with us. And, and thank you for being around for the last two decades, doing such an incredible job of uh, chronicling, uh, handling the hardware that comes with our computers. And with the wealth of information you have, I can't wait to hear about that site you're going to be building, which is called Windows Read loaded.com so please do let us know when that's up and running all right okay sure will and thank you very much for having me on thank you for being with us scott Mueller, the author of upgrading and repairing pcs the 19th edition is out right now and if you uh, look on our homepage, we'll have a link to that there